Yo, this podcast was brought to you by 138. We're a streetwear brand. If you haven't checked us out, check us out at www.138.co.nz. Enjoy the podcast. One, three, eight. <laughs> I'll get there, bro. Baby steps. Sweens, what's up, brother? What's up? Thanks for jumping on, bro. Ah, oh, you're welcome. Made the old trip down. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while, so I thought <laughs> I'd hurry up and uh, get over here. Didn't make the most of the chance while I was over here, so... Funny story, Sweens was actually supposed to be my first guest. It uh, <laughs> 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 was like seven months ago, so... <laughs> fucking hell. Um, how's things, bro? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, come out of lockdown, alright, and good to see the... I suppose the country getting back to some mm. sort of form of normality, Almost so... Almost there, eh? Yeah. Um, do you just want to introduce yourself for those who might not know you? Uh, yeah, so um, name's Dwayne Sweeney. I uh, grew up in Morrinsville. I uh, went to um, high school in, in Hamilton, at Hamilton Boys High. I uh, played professional rugby since I was 17 years old, so 18 seasons, or maybe 19 now. Um, yeah, played um, played for Waikato, um, the Chiefs, New Zealand Sevens, New Zealand Māori. Um, had six years in Japan. Um yeah, pretty keen on my outdoors, <laughs> love hunting and fishing, and yeah, that's that's pretty much me. Fucking hell, mean, bro. So, um, obviously, like you mentioned there, 17 years old, which is, that's where it sort of started. Where did it all kind of start? Like, do you, do you remember back then, and 17 years old, your first game, things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I suppose for me, like, you know, for like every kid like, that gets into rugby, like it started for me when I was a kid. Yeah. I just fell in love with the game dad played um dad played um provincial rugby for Thames Valley so um you know grew up going to his games and um yeah he was a big supporter like my family's been massive supporters of me got three younger brothers um we've played together as well so that's pretty cool and yeah I suppose it just started you know from a young fella fell in love with the game was this real passionate backyard all the time with my brothers chucking the ball around um yeah, and then I went, like I said, to Hamilton Boys High School, and that's probably where I got my mo- oh, most, you know, sort of big change because I went from a small town into a big school with a lot of competition, and it put me in really good stead. Um, and then, yeah, my last last year at Hamilton Boys High, I debuted for, for Waikato, um, which was... Both tell the story. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> 17 years old, um, and, and how I found out it's quite an interesting story. So I was I was in maths class, um, you know, probably not paying much attention really, looking out the window, and the runner comes to class with a with a note, um, and then Mr. Hamilton, my teacher's like Dwayne, and I look forward, and normally when the runner comes and your names get said, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you need to go to the principal's office. So I'm like, oh no, like so I pack up my bag and I'm walking walking through school and mass block was like right down the back so I had to walk all the way through school and the whole way I'm walking there I'm just like thinking of everything all the classes that I've missed what I've done wrong and trying to make up excuses um, I knew that I hadn't been in English the day before because I was out practicing my goal kicking <laughs> and I was like oh but we've got a big game coming up on the weekend so that's all good I'll just say that I was you know really nervous and preparing for yeah, I was yeah. on boys I think that we were playing and True. then um yeah, so I was like just rattling my brain, like so nervous. And then I walk into the office and Barbara Clark, she's the first 15 manager, um, still the first 
15 manager now and was, I don't know, was for quite a while before I started playing too. She's a bit of a legend at um, Hamilton Boys and I walked in and she's got this big grin on her face and she's like, oh, um, are you here to see Miss Hassel? And I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, uh, yeah. And she's like, all right, um, just take a seat. And so I sit down and still real nervous. And then I walk in, you know, it felt like forever that I was waiting and finally Miss Hassel comes out the the headmaster at Ham Boys and I walk in and she's got a grin as well and I'm like oh and then she just starts asking me about my day and how everything's been going and I'm like oh yeah still real nervous and then she hands me a piece of paper and she's like you need to ring this number so I'm like okay so I said oh can I please borrow your phone miss and she's like yep so I get the phone I ring this number and then Ian Foster answers the phone and he's like Hello, Ian Foster speaking, and I'm like, oh, hi, it's um, Dwayne Sweeney speaking, and he's like, oh, did, hi, Dwayne, how are you? How's school? I was like, oh, yeah, good, thank you. He goes, oh, do you know who I am? I'm like, yeah, because he, <laughs> he had long finished um, finished playing either. Like he was when I grew up, he was you know the first yeah, five for Waikato yeah. and most kept Waikato player in, in history, 148 games I think he played. So oh, he was a big. Big part of my childhood, like you know, yeah. I grew up watching the Mulus, and and he was in that awesome team through the nineties. And then um, I said, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. And then he's like, oh, well, he goes, you know that I coach Waikato, and then don't you? I was like, yep. And then he's like, um, are you busy this afternoon? And I was like, oh, what sort of time? And he's like, oh, two o'clock. And I'm like, oh, um, I've got school. And then he's like, oh, well, can you ask Miss um, Hassel if you can have the the afternoon off so I asked her and she said yeah that's fine he's like okay cool I want you to have you got your boots with you I said no they're back in Morinsville so he's like alright well um, go home and get your boots and then I'll, I'll see you at the stadium at 2 o'clock this afternoon and he goes oh actually why there can you ask Miss Hassel if you can have the rest of the week off and I'm like oh, okay this must have been Monday and then um, I was like oh can I have the rest of the week off she's like this big grin yeah and I was like oh Clearly they had spoken before, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't to know. And then he's like, oh, well, that's good because you can train with us for the rest of the week and you'll make your debut for Waikato on Friday. And I just, like, goosebumps, like, chills. Well, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, like, didn't, like, you know, I did not see that coming. I thought, oh, cool, I'm just going down and this going to, you know, I didn't even know what was yeah, going to happen, yeah. whether I was just going to go to a training or, or whatever it was. I didn't even know that they were training. Um yeah, so I'm like walk out of school to to my car to drive back to Morinsville and I get home and Mum's there and what are you doing home from school? Gives me a big earful and I'm like, oh, I got some news for you. <laughs> and then uh, yes, yeah, so I grab my boots and I remember going over and sitting in the. I had met with the coaches. I was there early, the earlier than everyone else, and I was sitting with the coaches. And then um, we had a bit of a chat about the week and yeah. they were really really good they made me feel real comfortable yeah um they just you know there's no expectations i like just go out there and you know just train just to do what you do yeah, yeah. just you know no pressure um so they just made me real feel real comfortable like straight away and because the official squad had been named for waikato too but roger randall and bruce rehana were the, obviously the two wingers at the time they were at the commonwealth game so they weren't there marty hollow was with the all blacks so he wasn't there but it's like all the big guns, like John O'Gibbs, Dion Muir, um, ah. you know, like all the Super Rugby boys are there. And that, you know, back then, like, yeah, they, Were they you all. At school? Yeah, I was at school <laughs> and I'm looking at these, like, men, 
and I sit in the changing room and this guy walks in, Regan King, and no one knew Regan King, but he yeah. became all black that yeah. year. He just burst on the scene and was the man straight off the bat. So he, he actually came in first, sat beside me. Um, and he was like, oh, hey, bro, Regs. And I was like, yeah, Sweens. And then he's like, oh, who do you play for, bro? And I'm like, oh, Hamilton Boys. And he's like, oh. And he sort of like went quiet for a bit and he was thinking. And he's like, Hamilton Old Boys, do you play like Colts or something? Because I haven't seen you before. And I was like, oh, no, nah, Hamilton Boys High School. And he's like, are you still at school? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's pretty mean. And that was it. Like, And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And it's a similar conversation with a few of the other guys. And then, yeah, ended up training for the week. And um, they ended up on the bench and um, got my debut. How long did you get? Uh, I played about 25 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah it was. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. Like, yeah, so we played Hawks Bay, and um, at that time, Hawks Bay were in the second division, but yeah. it was a first class game. So it's the last preseason game before the NPC oh, yeah, kicked yeah, off. Yeah. So they always stripped 22 players for those games. Back then, it was 22, uh, and there was an official debut. Uh, and that continued for probably a big part of my career before I went overseas. There was yeah. always one first class game before yeah. competition kicked off, and that was like if you played that, you got capped. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, normally for us, it was. Most years it was Tadanaki because we played for the Ryan Wheeler Memorial Trophy, so mm. that was normally the game uh, that would be a capped game. But yeah, it was um, yeah, it was pretty pretty nerve wracking because five years earlier I played Roland Mills and then I made uh, Waikato Primary School, so first real official Waikato team, and we actually played Hawks Bay at McLean Park. And I wore number 21, and that was the jersey I wore five wow. years, just about five years to the day later as a 17-year-old. So I was 12, and then as a 17-year-old, I stepped on the field in a full Waikato jersey on onto the same field. So I was like, yeah, it was a pretty surreal experience. Mum's actually got a photo of um, when I'm going on the field for the first time as a 12-year-old, yeah. and then she's got a photo of me stepping on. No yeah. way, that's Oh, I'm gonna find that photo. I'll yeah, chuck yeah, it up for yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I'll have to, so like, have it's, to get it off, mum. It's obviously like weird that, um, like you would not hear about that now. Like you wouldn't, no. you wouldn't hear <laughs> of someone playing now. Back then, like obviously it would have been, you know, it still would have been a fucking shock to a lot of people. But yeah. like, did it happen? Did anyone else do that? Um, so at was the that top, a little bit more common? Yeah. Nah, it was actually less common. Um, <sighs> So that was, it only ever happened once before. It was a guy, Jason Goldsmith, or oh, for Waikato, that yeah. is. And he actually, like, I think he actually lives over here now in Tauranga, but yeah, he'd be a, a bit older now. But his career got ended pretty early because of injuries. But he actually made the All Blacks the same year. So he was at school, um, like, debut. Made All Blacks at school? Yeah, he was like 18 or something. And then he ended up, like, leaving school sort of halfway through the season because he was getting so busy with rugby and then he made the All Blacks like tour at the end of the year. But I'm not sure in the exact sort of dates, but probably sort of early 90s-ish, like around that sort of time. Did you play again that year? uh, Nah, so what kind of happened, so after that, because the official squad had been named and then NPC kicked off the next week and I was like in the frame for New Zealand schoolboys. I actually played first 15 the day after I played my debut, so we bust back on the bus, a few beers on the bus, and had to scull a jug and the rest of it, (laughs) and then, um, yeah, actually, like, but yeah, bust bust home, and then we played Tauranga Boys the next day, so here I was, like, a day, not even 24 hours later, 
because um, we might have played it on the three or four o'clock or something in Horse Bay, and then play at one o'clock the next day. I'm playing or eleven or twelve or whatever it was. Playing they, first fifteen. Were they all like that's kind? Of yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually like we actually won and like not being a dick, but I scored all our points too the next day. But I was like, when I look back at it, like it. It probably should have happened that way because I was so confident. Yeah, like yeah, I just I played men. That. I'd actually held my own. Like I did, did nothing special. Yeah. I could have scored if Regs had passed me the ball, but he <laughs> scored anyway. So, yeah. yeah, he dummied the fullback in the two-on-one and scored. Oh. His, he scored a hat trick <laughs> on debut, and he became all black. So that's all good. Um, yeah. So it was like, yeah, I was full of confidence. I was like, man, I've just played the you know the best players with you know some of the best players in the country yeah. and, and Hawks Bay was strong then too like that was just before they sort of come up into into the first division so they were winning the second division easy yeah. um we still won quite quite comfortably but yeah it was um it was a definite like morale booster yeah, yeah I was yeah. pretty confident going back then the, the next day to play schoolboy rugby fuck that's me and then I carried on like um I like I said, I was in contention for New Zealand schoolboys and, and whether they knew something more that I was going to be involved, but they had an agreement with school and with, like they they wanted me to stay in yeah, the region. So I actually got a couple of days off a week to go and train with the squad full time. Yeah. So I basically had sort of pretty much the whole season. There was a little gap where I went away from New Zealand schools for a couple of weeks, but pretty much the whole season I trained with the squad and pretty much a full capacity, like not getting paid obviously, but yeah kind of like an apprentice sort of thing I guess and um it was actually the Canterbury game and that was when like you know Murdens and Marshall were playing nine and ten and um oh, you know like shit. a young Dan Carter just coming on yeah. the scene coming off the bench probably and um you know um, Leon McDonald and Aaron Major and all these guys are playing and then I had like a heap of the guys got sick and I yeah. got a phone call in the morning and they're like Swings you need to get here because you might have to play today. And I'm like, no way. Like, you know, Scott Robinson's <laughs> playing eight. And I'm like, nah, the, I do not want to play this game. <laughs> and then, so I turn up, warm up. They get, everyone gets through all good. And we actually, like, give them hiding. It's like, wow. It's not, it ends up being a real high scoring game. It's like 50 odd to late 30s or yeah. 40. And a guy, Derek Maisie, was playing. And he, he actually originally played for Canterbury. Yeah. And he'd been to Japan and he'd come back. And um, he was a very skillful player. Like, did, didn't look like much, but man, he was just the silkiest hands ever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. just beautiful kick off both feet. And he, yeah, he played. Um, probably didn't play as much as what his skills allowed. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, he was a pretty skillful guy. But he scored a hat trick as well yeah. against, against them. And and he came in late because David Hill was one of the ones that got sick, so he he couldn't play. Yeah. So then Maisie stepped in at ten and had a blinder, scored a hat trick. And Shit. Yeah, it was a pretty cool day. But it was wicked being on the sideline and seeing all those guys in the flesh. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, there was a whole other level again. Seeing all these All Blacks, like a team of All Blacks, because Canterbury were the All Blacks pretty yeah, much, or well, have been for a long time. And back then, like a lot of the um, a lot of the All Blacks were playing. Eh? Oh, all of them played. Yeah. yeah, that that was the beauty of it. That's why provincial rugby was so strong so yeah and i suppose it flowed into the next year i played four full four four full npc games mm-hmm. as as an 18 19 year old 
and got to tackle Christian Cullen, so that was like a oh, highlight. Yeah, man. Um, you know, definitely didn't dominate him, but I got him down. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can claim that. <laughs> when when you said skillful, silky hands, kick off both feet. Who's the first person you think of now? Now Fletcher Smith. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the first person yeah. came to my head. I was thinking yeah. of Smithers, like yeah, kicking yeah, through yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, from then on, you went to like obviously you played super Maldives, all that. Um, your best like debut moment you reckon like can, of of any team can you remember which one was probably the most like memorable um, well maybe yeah. that one but like yeah um, yeah probably for significance probably that one um, I'm gonna I'll go left field with this one and I'll go my Super Rugby debut because it was the opposite yeah. well not the opposite but like yeah I did I didn't play well yeah. and um, yeah. and you know how like, old were you uh 21 yeah yeah so yeah I'd sort of back back in that sort of era 21 was probably young to make super normally you played about probably three to three to four seasons like good solid seasons of provincial rugby before you You played super super because you you had to they had to kind of see consistency for you to push into and the game's getting a little bit younger yeah it is now like and now it's got a lot there's a lot more movement in the market in terms of guys going overseas where back then you got in you had you know the the better guys would have a even if they didn't make the all blacks would still have a you know sort of six seven year career a lot of guys come in and out because you know they're on the fringe or whatever but your core of your team like you know that chiefs team at that sort of time like guys like john gibbs marty holler um keith robinson all those sort of guys and and i named them and they actually are they became all blacks and were all blacks but they stayed for quite a long time so it was actually a lot harder you couldn't just have one breakout year of um and of um basically npc and then go straight in you'd still probably have to back it up another year and and then push your way in um so yeah, sort of twenty one and probably I at, well, at that stage I'd had four or five seasons for Waikato yeah. in terms of like being involved, not yeah, a lot yeah. of game time, but yeah, yeah, I've been involved a bit. And um, yeah, we played the Brumbies in Hamilton, and yeah. it's round one, and I played twice for Waikato at fullback, once off the bench against Hawks Bay um, the previous year. Yeah. And that was the year that we won the Enus on the Cup, and then I started. Oh no, I'd start, it started too. Sorry, and I started against Wellington in the round robin, and then I started against Northland. Yeah. And what they did that year in two thousand seven was the first conditioning window where the All Blacks didn't play. Well, a key group of All Blacks yeah, didn't play yeah, yeah, yeah. early on. So for us, it was Mills Moleana and Sidavini Sivivatu were the two backs. Yeah. That, well, they were two of the, the specialised group that were being rested. So they picked me as a midfielder, but then they're like, the early part of the season, we want you to play fullback to cover <laughs> Mills's spot. Yeah. But, and I was like, okay, like, cool. So spent all pre-season preparing there and everything and... Um, you know George Gregan and George Smith yeah. and all those guys are playing for the Brumbies yeah. guy um, Julian Huxley is playing first five and he like unbelievable kicker like just yeah. really really consistent good out of hand kicker yeah. so he could find space really well and I knew it was going to be a big test playing fullback but like <laughs> fuck me he <laughs> taught me a lesson man like I was 
like yeah, I was well, like you know, and it was probably I wasn't out of my depth because I performed well in preseason. Yeah, yeah. I, the moment just got me, like yeah, you know, yeah, I got yeah. emotional. I got, you know, it's on the big stage, you know, big crowds back then, yeah. like you know, like big crowds, like you know, not not sold out, but not far off it, yeah, you know, yeah. consistently, and yeah, and and playing your Super Rugby debut, and yeah, yeah, it was just it was. Yeah, things didn't didn't go well for me. Made a few like silly errors. Like he put this big beautiful spiral down, and it's right by the sideline. Instead of, you know, I still see guys do it now. Like I, you know, well back then you could stand out and catch it, and yeah. it's out on the full. Yeah. I try and stay infield and catch it and drop it out, and then they get the line out, and then they go and score off the line out, <laughs> and I'm just like, what the? And I look at it, and I'm like, what the fuck was, was I, I thinking <laughs> like because I was uh I've always sort of been quite an intelligent player in terms of the yeah, rules yeah, and yeah, yeah. and I knew what I'd done but I was like why the fuck did you do that like, yeah 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 we had a chance at the death to win it and it comes wide and I get a like catch the ball and there's no one really in front of me and I've got Masunga outside me Dummy. and I drop it oh. like you know and I'm just like fuck I never dropped the ball like because I've always had good hands and yeah. good yeah and I just drop it cold and I'm like fuck that, that could have been a chance to win it we're like 30 metres out or <laughs> maybe not even that it might have been in the 22 and all I've got to do is get it in Masanga's hands and he'll finish yeah. it if I didn't yeah. like yeah and we lose by four points and Wow. Yeah, the, but everyone has those games. Oh right? yeah, like, you do. Yeah, you just hope it's not your first one. But and that one was <laughs> that, like how you talked about the emotional part. Like obviously you've played fucking a whole lot of games now. Mm. Like you would have learnt a lot over that time how to control like and how to separate like your emotions to, you know, when, when you're playing. Yeah, to keep it out of it because yep. it's really, like it's really easy for maybe for some people it's not, but for a lot of people and I'm. On the same way, it's real easy to get emotional, like yeah. when you care about like something. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. When you care about the jersey so yeah. much and that. Yeah, it is like it is a good. Well, it is a hard skill. I, I suppose it's like a maturity thing too, because yeah. I remember back to school days, and you know, like you, high school rugby here in New Zealand is it's so, it's all emotion. <laughs> Straight you know? emotion. There's no, <laughs> there's no tactic. Or well, there wasn't when I was at school. It was like you just pull your socks off and you go just hard. Go like yeah. you know, we didn't like we had a couple of back moves maybe, but other than that, yeah. like, there was no pattern. There was no structure. It was just all emotion. <laughs> school does the hucker on the sideline, and like you basically do that hucker. You get pumped, and then you just go hard. Yeah, yeah. and it just like you make so much. Well, you know, like I sort of realized like when i went in because all the boys at school were like fuck what's the huddle like before the game yeah and i was like oh it's real weird like they don't get pumped up they just talk <laughs> and i'm like this is weird like why aren't we like fuck yeah let's yeah, go yeah, like yeah, what yeah. you do at school like you're 100%. chanting and you're fucking jumping up and down and all sorts of shit and then you go in and i was like nah they just talk and they they just say what we're gonna do and <laughs> that's about it and I, they're like oh that's weird and i was like yeah, but now I look back and, like, you know, when you've been in professional rugby so long and love going back to grassroots footy and you still see that raw yeah, emotion, yeah, it's, yeah. like, a, it's a real good, like, fuck, yeah, this is, it's cool, you know? Bro, like, I love it, bro. Like, yeah. I would never change the way, like, we spent schoolboy rugby, nah. like, bro, nah. so emotional. Yeah. But, fuck, it was mean. Eh? Oh, like, yeah. You like, just had school on school, bro. Yeah. Everyone's just into it. Yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing like it, eh? But it, it does cloud your emotions, do yeah, cloud yeah, your yeah, judgment, yeah. and yeah. you do, you know, it closes off your vision, you get hot headed, like shit just happens. And that's 
you know that's a beauty of really passionate sport is yeah. like you go and watch it for that reason like yeah, there's yeah. big hits and you know all this like you know like it's just it's wicked school yeah. schoolboy rugby is cool um and especially like in its in its rawest form like mm. the lower down the grade it's generally better because they're just there because they love the <laughs> yeah, game yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a there's beauty in that the, yeah. the first 15 now is almost getting a little bit and you probably come through a little bit more of a professional yeah. era first 15 than I did. Like, we trained twice a week yeah, when yeah. I was at school. And then, so that shows my jump from school to yeah. playing the for difference. Waikato, the difference. Like, yeah. I literally trained twice a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and, and then play Saturday. And then I could go and play for Waikato in a fully professional environment. So it was a massive contrast of, like, preparing a whole week. I think we, we were lucky there where... Um, I had Ty Lavere yeah. as my as my first fifteen coach for my last couple of years, and like cause he's obviously my ten now. Yeah, bro, he was like it was like professional. Like yeah, like it wasn't much when we went to when I went down to Wellies for my this my first year. It wasn't that much of a jump. Like, yeah, and like we we were like lucky and probably compared to some other schools where like we were taught all the like the off field stuff and the. And the like mental stuff during a game, like yeah. he used to tell us, like, because um, like we'd get some decent crowds, like yeah. at our big games, games. Yeah. and he'd be like, he'd be teaching us like game drivers, like just fucking chill the boys out, just like block them out outside noise. He used yeah. to talk about that all the time, and so like every time I still remember, bro, every time we had like a um, a big game and like a crowd, and we'd come out. We'd get let out by the bagpipes. Yeah, that's and we'd cool. Go around right? the field. Yeah, and I was gutted we... I never played Saint Kent's when I was at school because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to experience that. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, bro. And yeah. you wouldn't like because I had, I didn't even um I didn't even like the bagpipes before I went to Saint Kent's. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hated the sound of it. Yeah, but the very I still remember the very first game. I um, you like we like did our huddle inside. You do it every time. Do the huddle and then um go down do a prayer and then the um the bagpipes start up outside the changing room yeah and you just hear the in the drums and then yeah, you're like, oh, holy, it starts giving you goosebumps i'm getting goosebumps and then you hear like like when we're playing at home like the chants start going and we go down the sideline and we always like would always say at the start like fucking and like when we walk out like enjoy this moment like, yeah enjoy this moment like just like fe- like get emotional like feel yeah. it like just get pumped up and then when we go out on the field like i'd always like get the boys and be like now just fucking chill they're like yeah. you know just like we enjoyed that yeah. now like anything outside of this white line doesn't matter anymore like yeah. just fucking focus on this like yeah so we win this game yeah that's good man like that's um we were that, taught that though, yeah you know? yeah yeah we were See, that. when i was at school there was like yeah. you know we didn't have oh we're good like i had really good uh first 15 coaches but you know they're like some like the one of the boys dads or like mm. teacher from school yeah. or, or whatever and I think of the coaches that I had and they just were like good people. Like, yeah, you know, they yeah. just taught us to be respectful yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah, and yeah. just taught us good habits. Like they weren't necessarily growing our skill set or yeah. um, teaching us, you know, like innovative new moves or anything mm. like that. The coaches that I had literally just taught me to be a good person. Yeah. And then and then that sort of allowed my own game to grow because being a good person i find is like in a team environment it's everything it means everything because you'll perform well if you're a good person in a team environment if your teammates respect you 
because they'll support you no matter what. Mm. And like I've played with plenty of guys with so much talent, but they're like fucking dickhead. Yeah. And they actually don't shine. They have glimpses, but the team won't play for them. Yeah. Like, you know, if yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. underlying factor, like he's a dick, he cares about himself. Yeah. He doesn't care about the team. Yeah. He, he will look good. He'll have moments where it's like, fuck yeah. Like that was mean. Yeah. That looked really, really good. But deep down, like, like when push comes to shove, like the team won't have his back, yeah. and it, and and that might not be verbalized or ever said, but it just happens naturally. Yeah, like nature yeah. sort of takes yeah, over, and 100%. instinct takes over. And you see some guys that are like someone that springs to mind for me that I played with is like Adam Byrne. Like doesn't set the world on fire, but his team, like you were unfortunate that you didn't get to play with Adam, but like the team, he will always perform well in a team because he has so much respect from his peers so yeah. he will do he will do his job like over and over and over again but he'll have glimpses of brilliance because yeah. the players around him will allow that to yeah, happen they yeah, will yeah. make it happen for yeah, him yeah, yeah. you know the better players will be like oh man i'll give this moment to bernsey yeah. and it'll be like subconscious it'll just happen it's yeah. not the fact that you're going out there trying to make Adam look good. It's just mm. that he's so well respected that he will look good. Yeah. yeah. It's a gentleman's game, eh, bro? Yeah. Like, we were talking about this before. Like, if, if you don't learn much from rugby, you learn how to be respectful mm. and fucking yeah. learn how to be a good man. Yeah, like, That's yeah. what they teach. Yeah, it's so, such a, like, rugby's like a beautiful game. It's so diverse and mm. it's like, you know, anyone can play it pretty much. There's, yeah. You know, there's the big fellas that can play in the fours, there's the fast fellas that can play in the backs, yeah, or yeah. there's the skillful guys in between, and there's your tough guys, and then there's your smart guys. Like, you know, everyone yeah. sort of has a place and can fit in somewhere, tall, short, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool game. Um, fast forward a bit, you joined that China Lions group this year. Yep. What was that like? Like, obviously, it was a short little stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was crazy. Like, so they started talking to me sort of in last October mm. about it and just saying, oh, you know, would you be keen? Like, we're keen to have some experience. Um, I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely be keen. And it just went on and on and on and nothing ever happened. So I was like, this ain't even going to happen. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, it's like, bang, it's like, contract comes through and then it's like, <coughs> oh okay so it's like have i resigned from work and i was working as a like rugby development officer or development coach um, yeah. with the waikato rugby union so i've resigned from work to to take this role um or take the contract to play but it's literally like i do that and the, the round one's like two weeks later so hadn't had like a big sort of pre-season because i was sort of just doing a little bit but not just sort of doing enough without exerting my body too much because being older it's like fuck I can't flog myself every day yeah, if something yeah, yeah. will break or it's just yeah, yeah. you know the body can't bounce back as yeah, quickly yeah. so I was just like just try and do enough and so I wasn't like ready to go but I was good enough that well, I can just I can play and I'll keep better as the season goes on sort mm. of thing and they were more wanting me for my off field stuff anyway so mm. in terms of helping the young guys be a professional and, yeah. and and that sort of thing and being a team environment leadership whatnot and then you know the playing side was probably going to be a bonus yeah. like if if you know i played well and got into good form then mm. yeah that would that was probably more of a bonus for them rather they were just sort of hoping that i could really help with the environment and good habits so you, you mentioned that the first thing i thought of was when I, I jumped on this potty with these guys from australia yeah um, not that long ago 
and they were like what's what's the like secret to New Zealand rugby what's the key like what what's the difference there why do they do so well compared to like over here and I was like that shit bro like yeah. honestly I reckon it's the like you can be the best player in New Zealand but if you're a dickhead yeah like you're not going to make those teams you're yeah, not going to yeah, be yeah. a part of it it's all about culture and yeah. environment and being a good bastard and yeah, shit, yeah. Eh? no it was it was um so that was it was cool like so I went in it was like it was quick it was like you know just a real quick transition boom and then we're going um real cool group like awesome group of guys because there's a whole lot of youth and like guys that are just keen to um you know make that next step and move forward so it was like cool to be i know i suppose on the other end of that yeah, like being yeah. there done that but still really just keen to be involved yeah. and play and be in a professional environment so it was like cool to pass that knowledge down and even though it was like a short little period it was just a real real cool culture like yeah. the coaching staff worked really well together under like with clayton mcmillan there there's a lot of respect within that group and mm. then you know like mike delaney not long finished playing and so a lot of those guys have played with him so there's that really good um i suppose mutual respect from a playing point of view yeah. and then he's you know he's getting really good advice from clayton as a coach um to sort of transition into that coaching role. So you just, you just played, you played one game, eh? Yeah. And you're we're on just, your way to your... Yeah, game. well, we played one, and then the whole world pretty much was yeah. going to, like... Was that Fiji, eh? Yeah, we played in Fiji, and then we were due to fly back on the Sunday, so we played Saturday, due to fly back Sunday, then we were flying out Monday morning to go to Malaysia to play our second game. Yeah. And then we were back home, and then we were playing in Topol. So we had it, like... We'd played, oh no, there was, before we even played, they're like, oh, well, we can't go to Malaysia now because coronavirus is, yeah. you know, blowing up sort of there as well now. So we're looking at moving the game to uh, Samoa. So because there's no cases there. Mm. And then they're like, oh, no, we're actually going to play it in Fiji. So we're going to stay an extra week in Fiji now. And this is all going on before the game leading right and we're having meetings like morning of the game still about where we're going next week but oh, we're shit. trying to bin all that and yeah. it was good man the group really responded well like you know because we hadn't had a lot of time together there was heaps of adversity and shit getting thrown around yeah. and different scenarios but if for a young group of men like they really, really blocked it out and they needed to and focused on the game and yeah. we didn't play to our potential like awesome but we won and we actually played like a lot better than we should have really yeah, yeah, considering yeah, yeah. the circumstances and then yeah so then we ends up on oh, no, our we're going to go home now um and then we're going to fly back to either Samoa or fiji for mm. this game so we fly home and then as you know on that sunday that's the day the borders close so we wake up in the morning like to fly home we get to the airport in, in nandy and then they're like and then we'd look at the news and like oh you've seen this and it's like the borders are closing at midnight and so we're like oh well we won't be going anywhere so we fly back and then we don't know what's going on and then yeah. we're like we don't know how long it's going to go on because we're not locked down we're just closing the border so it's like well we go back we sort of start training then we have to self-isolate and we'd already been yeah. training for like a week and yeah. then they're like oh you should self-isolate anyway yeah. so then we go and self-isolate for a week and then bang lockdown and then it was like they didn't announce they postponed the tournament because they still wanted to go ahead um the big boss that funds it um that 
funds the Western Force. He just wants it to succeed, and he's got a lot of money. Yeah. Um. So obviously he was willing to ride it out for as long as possible. But then the Western Force being included into the Australian Super Rugby, all of a sudden they didn't really need it. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Fuck. Got cancelled, and then all of us just that was it. Yeah. Like, you know, like because the contracts went. Um. You know, it's not like a. I suppose being contracted offshore, even though we're based here in Tauranga or in the Mount, it was like an overseas contract. Yeah, it was China Lions. Yeah, China Lions. So it was out of China. So the contracts didn't have a lot of, um, you know, like the support that we have with the NZRU and the Players Association and all that. We basically waived all those rights to sign this contract for this short period. And then, yeah, so guys had to terminate their provincial contracts to take it. Um, But, from what I understand, everyone's been reinstated with their provincial unions, so that's a, that's one positive to come out yeah. of it. Yeah. But I was just thinking, <laughs> I was talking to the boys the other day, um, we were just yarning about like some of our old school memories, and we like when we were like <laughs> nine or ten, I think, something like that, we went to um, the Māori All Blacks Ireland game in oh, yeah. Raiders. Yeah. And I was like, watch, we like watched the highlights. Were you playing in that? Yeah, yeah. I got man of the match that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, holy fuck, Swens was playing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I think I was like nine. Yeah. Something like that. And and I, we still remember, bro, we were like, we were like standing by the like little, just little black boys, little brown boys just standing around the um, tunnel and we were like waiting for all the, and like Johnny Sexton that came yeah. out and like gave us this sock, like we were like, can we have your, can we yeah. have your socks, your shorts? Yeah. Fuck, oh, bro. Yeah. And you were actually in that game. Yeah, yeah. Because how old were you in 2002? Two. Can oh, you? was that when it was? Nah, nah, that was when I debuted. Oh. How old were you then? You'd have been like three. three. Yeah, yeah, three. So that, yeah. <laughs> so when I was playing, first playing for Waikato, you were three. Holy yeah. shit! But yeah, that was um fuck. That was an unbelievable game. That one and yeah, in Rotorua, that was cool. Yeah. What's your most memorable Waikato game? Waikato game. Um, oh, like there, there's been a few. Like there's like that first one, obviously. Um, or a moment. The oh moment, like probably the the Ramfilly Shield win in two thousand eighteen. Fuck, yeah, dude. like that was fucking pretty special. Yeah, like because we just we you know we come off our longest like Waikato's longest losing streak in history, like ten yeah. games. We only won like when when you played your debut for Wellington, yeah. like that was our first win, like, and that was only four days earlier. Yeah, so we'd been like we, but in all honesty, we. would that team was good and we knew it was good we were just building and we kind of because we'd lost for so long mm. we kind of forgot how to win and then that Wellington game just kicked us into gear like we're yeah. like fuck, all of a sudden belief came back we can do this and then yeah it was planned by yeah, yeah 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 because you were coming up <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. I was like oh, I got the boys but yeah that that game like I just remember there was just so many things um I actually spoke on a podcast the other night about the difference between winning the Ramfilly Shield and winning the New Zealand Cup. Yeah. So, like, well, it was the New Zealand Cup when I won it. Yeah, sure, um, And then played in a couple other finals and yeah. stuff. But we, like, that there is, like, a that's months and months and, well, you know, sometimes years of preparation to get to mm. that point for that game to then yeah. win that game. Like, you know, that, that team, that squad... 
in 2006 that won that title that team was together on my debut pretty much yeah there's a few a few guys had moved on but not many like Cora that team was still playing so yeah. that's a good four seasons of them at the top of their game to get to that point to yeah. then win like that starting 15 14 of them were international players like 13 All Blacks one one Irish prop which was Whitey and then the other prop was yeah, he played oh, for Ireland, yeah. And then the other prop was um, Craig West, who played New Zealand Māori in Super Rugby. So, oh, yeah, the rest wow. of the team was All Blacks. And, and Wellington were the same. We played Wellington, and they, they were all All Blacks too. So that was... Um, but the Ranfilly Shield is like... People don't understand. No, it. you don't get it. Like, like I've only played for it once last year yeah. against Otago, and yeah. we obviously lost. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever played for it, and I've yeah. never played with the team when we've had it yeah yeah so it was like yeah i i spoke before that game so in 2018 so we we spoke <clears throat> the year before in 2017 we we made it actually like a real big thing of it throughout the week and we just really talked about the history and guys got up and shared um jared our analysis had done highlight videos of so all the boys <laughs> in the team that had won the shield we got up and shared our memories and Jared showed footage from those games. So we really connected the team because we had a young group to yeah. the to what it was, to what the Shield was and how big a deal it was. Mm. And then 2018, because most, you know, pretty similar squad, but I got up and spoke and I just said to the guys, like, because Jono, Jono Gibbs, he'd never won it. Yeah. And then, um, like, as a player, but then I got up and spoken at I think at the time I must have played it would have been on sort of 87 games like you know nearly 90 games for Waikato I'd had three cracks at it in, in, in 87 games so I played Canterbury in 2005 and we lost by a point Beaver kicked the drop goal of like 30 seconds ago and hit the post like we nearly win it then 2007 we get a shot against North Harbour and we took it but we lost it six days later to Canterbury which at the time was equal shortest ever reign of the Ram for the Shield. Holy shit. And then 2017, we had a crack against Canterbury, but I was I was injured and I came back and played and got injured in fucking first 20 minutes, played till halftime and had to go off. Yeah. So I was like, out of all those games, I really had two like proper cracks and then like a half crack in terms yeah. of like my body not being there, but I was, yeah. I was still in the squad and still, still played. And then... Um, yeah, and then this was the fourth go. Um, and when I put that in... Because I kind of ne- needed the group to understand how big a deal it was. Because like, yeah, yeah. when you're young and you first come in, you're like, oh, yeah, sweet, Ramfley Shield. Like, yeah. this is cool. It's a cool thing, but you kind of think that it's going to happen each year. It's yeah, like, you're yeah, just yeah. going to get a shot. Well, Quinny, this is his first year, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Quinn was like, I don't know what would have been four games five games in and he gets a crack at it and yeah we won it there's probably a few in that group that hadn't um, you know sort of played a lot of rugby and they got a shot at it and then uh, we just we were I just remember like Jono used to give these unbelievable like pre-game speeches like he's really articulate good with his words and just knows how to read a crowd and and, and just timing he's got really good timing of what he talks about and he just pulled us in and we, you know, sit in a half circle like we do, yeah. you know, in jersey order yeah. around. And he sort of stands at the front. That's how we how we did it. And then um, 
he just made us tight in our circle. So he just made us bring our chairs until we had a circle. Yeah. And he's like, tighter, tighter, tighter. So we're like jammed in. And he walked around the outside and just spoke. And it was just like, I don't know, if, like not one person looked up. We're all just like looking down. And he's just, and then he gets, you know, it's just so powerful. And he's talking a lot about what we've been through, where we got to, the way the team's building and just about all oh, this moment is yours like yeah. and then he'd like he's like you know just basically talking about changing our lives forever yeah. if we go and win the Ramfley Shield and then he just sort of pauses at the end and he's fuck he's got this emotion in his voice and everything and he just stops and he's like fuck we better hurry up or otherwise I'm gonna play and he just walks off and then we're just like everyone sort of gets up no one says anything we put the chairs back we were silent we just walked to the bus and I remember picking my bag up and walking to the bus and I just remember it being like 2000 it was like I was having flashbacks to 2006 because Jono was in that team Yeah. Um, he wasn't the captain but he was in that team and he was a leader and I just felt like I went back in time and yeah. I was like because that team was good man we just didn't lose like yeah. we were uh, I think we dropped one game during the year um and yeah, just walking out to the bus, I was just like, we're going to win. Yeah. Like, I'd, like, right there and then, we warmed up like shit, like fucking terrible. Yeah. And then uh, I remember talking to Burnsy, and he's like, bro, you need to, like, when you, you need to pull the boys in this fuck. I think it's too much emotion. Yeah. And then I remember we just walked into my post, and I said, boys, like, I don't give a fuck. Warm up shit, but it's done its job. Like, we're yeah. warm. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, who gives a fuck yeah, if we're dropping yeah, the ball yeah. or whatever? Because yeah. I it's a warm up like yeah. all we had to do was get our bodies warm and yeah. I just sort of said that and it was you know kind of laughed it off it's like fuck we're warm let's yeah. go like yeah. fuck yeah. we're ready and there's just you could just feel the energy and um, it was quite well with the field being closed the grandstand being closed we're yeah, changing right. those portacoms down the end yeah. so it's quite a decent walk out yeah. and I remember we're getting rushed and we're because we're you know we're late because fucking the trainer forgotten the gps's because he was too pumped up like everything was you know Holy. we're just ready and then i just remember the walk out to the field and you know obviously being captain and being at the front and just walking out and just looking across and they were standing on the field set up basically ready to go waiting for yeah. us like and i remember just walking out and then like walk pretty much to the sort of end of the field there and then it started running and we just walked down and then just yeah the huddle and then the whistle went and it was just like this onslaught like we were just fucking on on, pulling the trigger (laughs) there was space we're seeing everything executing um you know i I would argue the fact that everyone that played that day probably played their best game in a waikato jersey like you know like like it was my 80 seventh or 88th game or something it was probably best i ever played like yeah. that first half like yeah i don't i was doing things that you know i shouldn't have been able to do at my yeah. age but yeah. you know it was fuck, it was cool was it you telling me about that story when you were driving back on the bus and you drove past something like welcome to shield country or something was it you telling me that nah no did well, you did that happen on the way back from the Ramfilly Shield when you won it, you oh, was on the bus or yeah, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, so yeah, that did happen. So when we got back to the stadium, the stadium had changed the sign out the front, yeah. and it said "Welcome to Shield Country." So yeah. we get back at like it's late. Like we, um, we so yeah. I suppose because everyone like will want to know was did we party afterwards and like yeah, yeah fuck yeah we partied. Yeah. But the funny thing was is that we. Um, played so we played 
Wellington. Four days later, played the Naki. Mm. Then four days later, we had to defend it against Hawke's Bay. And then, so we had three games in eight days. We hadn't won in fucking ten games. And then all of a sudden, we got to win three and eight to hold, to win the shield and then hold the shield. And Hawke's Bay had had a bit of a rest and they're licking their lips like, yeah, we're going to... You know, everything's in the media that they we're gonna we're getting sent all this shit from like rugby pass on social media saying that, you know, it's the shortest ever reign of in Ramfilly Shield history and they had a picture of us in the chain shift with the shield, our team, as the background. Uh. And then it was like they sent it to all the boys and then um yeah, they sent me a message privately too. So whoever runs that fucking page, they know their shit. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> Last time you were in the team that won the shield, you had the shortest ever reign, you're gonna do it again. And I was like, fuck this, we are not going to fucking lose. Um, but there was, yeah, there was a lot of self-belief in that team. Like, we'd, um, we'd finally turned the corner and remembered mm. how to win and backed ourselves, trusted ourselves. Like, yeah. we, that year, 2018, that we won the championship, we kicked, like, Fletcher Smith was the highest point scorer, I think, in, um, in the competition that year. We only kicked, he only kicked three penalty goals all year. So we just scored tries. Like, we went for corners. We went for scrums. Like, we just, like, put our balls on the line every time. Yeah. And we just played with no fear. Like, we were just, like, we had a penalty. We'd be down by two points. And we were, bang, put in the corner. We go yeah. for try. And we'd just score tries. Yeah. And we just, because we just had so much confidence and self-belief. And I think that's sort of most of it. You can Sometimes you can get content and... Yeah. And, and you think oh yeah we'll just get in front here or we'll push it out to eight points but sometimes it's just you get that feeling you're like nah we've got them we yeah. have to go now and that the team everyone was sort of on the same page so it we had a moment like that last year yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> <laughs> but we did the opposite yeah 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 scrub scrub yeah nah, points <laughs> yeah no nah, that was a, that was an interesting one that yeah, kind of reflected in our season it, it did yeah it did and i spoke about that afterwards because that was tasman and tasman you know were unbeaten we they're smashing everyone and we were all over them yeah. and then like blew them off the field in the first half yeah. and then they come out and they had a, you know a few good passages of play mm. early in the second and we was they they got it got the lead eh? I think yeah, yeah we're down did, by yeah. must have been down by one or two and I remember we got a scrum and we just had a mean passage of play on them that started from our own twenty two and we're all over them we got mm. a penalty right in front and I remember my thinking because like I actually went down because I took a shot in the ribs so I was actually on the ground and you were you on the field yeah. at that stage you just had a hut away while um, I was down. I'm pretty sure the penalty was when you went, I think you went through or something. Oh, I went past to you? You passed to me and he tackled me early. Without the ball, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that, um, yeah, that was like, so I was on the ground, so I didn't know sort of what had happened, but my whole mindset around that game, like we just talked about pulling the trigger, just, you know? Yeah, that's like, right. Like we're yeah. fucking in it to win it. Like we are yeah. just going for everything today and play with no fear, just let it go. Because we that's what we did the year before mm. and that worked for us when we got in that mindset we were a very hard team to beat but we yeah. just didn't we didn't have that killer instinct we started to doubt ourselves again yeah and uh, i remember that moment and i was just like fuck yeah we just come from our own 22 here we're all over them they literally yeah. gave away that penalty if they didn't we we're gonna score mm. so i was like nah well let's and then we had yeah. a really good midfield scrum move planned yeah. so i was like fuck yeah we'll take the scrums yeah, right yeah, in. Yeah. Right in front, thirty meters out. Fletcher Smith kick it over with his left foot, you know, like. Um, but I was just like, nah, we're gonna, we're going for it here, yeah. and we'll make a statement right here to the yeah. whole country. 
look out for Waikato. We're yeah. fucking coming because we'd made glimpses of those statements, yeah. but I was like, what better way to make it? And, you know, things could have turned out different. Yeah. Like we go and score there and beat Tasman and who knows what happens. Yeah, but, exactly. you know, it wasn't to be weird. But that, that kind of, sum, it did, it summed up our season that we yeah. doubted ourselves we yeah. didn't have that killer instinct anymore yeah, yeah. and that was that that and that i spoke about that in the leadership meeting after the game and it became a big thing that the boys went against me on the field in terms of talking so when i said we'll take point i uh, uh, take the scrum and they're saying points they yeah got kind of got taken out of context yeah. and and you know the coaches had to go at them about it and i was like no nah, it's not and I finally like put my foot down. I was like, nah, it's not about the fact that they went against me. Yeah. It's the the fact that we didn't back ourselves because yeah, yeah. that's why we lost that moment because we were never going to win that game if we had that mindset. Yeah. Like, Tasman are too good to yeah. just say, oh, no, nah, we'll just get a one-point lead. It's like, no, nah, we got to take them on and take Every them on and get, take eh? them on. Like, yeah, because yeah. They're, yeah, they're a class team and they deserve to... To win the competition last year, yeah, hundred percent. Well, mm. um, like obviously, with footy comes with um, with a bit of coin. You would have put away a bit of coin in, in during your career. Yeah. What What's the best <coughs> thing you've learned about like looking after your money and? Yeah, you well, I, like, I'm not I'm not the best with my money. Like yeah. I fucking, I have expensive hobbies and yeah, hunting yeah. and fishing, and that's yeah. been a lot of money to, doing that, but. I said the the best thing for me was I got into like I bought my first house in my first year of Super Rugby. Yeah. So I'd, I'd sort of saved up enough. I was lucky, Mum and Dad let me move home for you know a couple of years before, well, while in that sort of early stages yeah. of my professional career, which helped me massively because yeah. you know you don't make I wasn't no making rent. a lot of money yeah. and you know rent and no food like you know like it was I was just lucky. I've been yeah. super lucky my whole career because I've haven't had to move really yeah. apart from when I decided to go overseas yeah, like yeah. I got to play where I grew up I got to play for my hometown and my club team then I got to play for my home union that my opportunity came there and then I got to play super rugby there too so I've just yeah. been based out of Hamilton you know or the Waikato um so I've been really lucky in that sense that I haven't had to you know, I could my family could help me out early on and, mm. and and things like that. So that was um that really helped. But yeah, I suppose once I once I sort of did that, I actually kind of enjoyed like people think, Oh, you get a mortgage and, and it comes stress. Mm. But for me it was kind of the opposite, like because when I had the money sitting there, I'd just go and buy something or do something with it. Yeah. And that was actually stressing me out more because yeah. I'd see it go down, oh fuck. Yeah. But when I got property, or well, bought my house, then it was like, it was compulsory saving because yeah. I was just putting money on the mortgage. Yeah. So it was like, I saw the mortgage as a savings account because yeah. like, you know, you pay yeah. a certain amount of your mortgage off, you've effectively saved that money. So I actually relaxed more with my other money, enjoyed myself. Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't sort of too worried about saving up savings then. I was just like, oh, well, I'll put as much as I can into the house and try and save a little bit here and there you know need a new car or whatever mm. it may be but i wasn't stressed about it mm. and i'd enjoy my time and I'd, I'd you know go away for weekends with mates and my you know a lot of my friends were apprentice builders and all yeah. sorts of stuff when we were younger and not making a lot of money so fuck i'd happily shut them a night out yeah, and yeah. you know it's come back like yeah. you know that 
later in life like they're all successful businessmen now mm. some of my mates like run multi-million dollar companies mm. from you know out of Morons or like transport companies and um yeah so it's Casual like comes yeah around. yeah you know and now it's like they shout yeah or, yeah or whatever it may be like yeah so it's yeah i suppose it's i kind of try not to stress too much about money like yeah. try and put myself in the good position like we've been lucky um by moving back home and buying a house after japan so mm. i managed to get the house paid off in flagstaff mm. while i was overseas so, so when, I, when I moved home i just had a house sitting there yeah we sold that and then moved into where we are now and you know lucky that um, my wife's mum could support us and doing that so we mm. didn't so that's really helped with covid and yeah. not having any sort of like mortgage hanging over us mm. or or anything like that like you know not a big mortgage yeah. so it's yeah. um yeah it's yeah i suppose it's Oh, people, yeah, boys, like don't, a, boys yeah. don't like to talk about the money, eh? Like, yeah. you know, like it's like a real yeah. kind of... It's like a... It's a tricky thing it's to It's weird, talk eh? Because you yeah. see, like, um, American sport or league or whatever, it's all, it's, it's all public, yeah. you know? Yeah. You can go and search soccer players and know exactly what they on. earn a week. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, but with rugby, it's like this little secret yeah. society, which I reckon actually doesn't help the no, players. It like, it's probably the worst thing well have you listened to any of Artie's podcasts nah I haven't but oh, so yeah. he talks about um like he talks about how we should be more open like to talk about our money and things and mm. um like rugby as a business like use that yeah, as yeah. an opportunity for us to you know yeah. like why can't we say like oh like what are you on like yeah man I should be on something like that like because yeah. I deserve to yeah. be on something like that and yeah. use that yeah, yeah. and just just being open and about like you know like it's just, I know it's an uncomfortable yeah. like com- like it's an uncomfortable topic to talk yeah. about eh? but it's yeah. like man it's important yeah you know? well yeah definitely and that, that sort of takes me back to the time just before I went overseas so um, I was what would I I was 26 I think 27 when I went overseas yeah. and that was part of the reason I went was the timing because I was like I kind of knew that if I went then didn't really enjoy it I'd still be at a sort of age and I'd back myself to come back and then yeah, still yeah. push Play. myself back mm. into you know yeah. after a couple of years and mm. turns out it was six years later but yeah. <laughs> yeah because I enjoyed my time there and that but around that like I was six I played 78 games before I left like yeah. end of 2010 I played 78 games for Waikato so like 10 years ago and there was guys in the squad that were like second year that were making like 10 grand more a year than I was from Waikato. So I was like, Fucking you know, and I, I only found that out because I had really good personal relationships with those guys. Yeah. And, and even then it was still kind of awkward. They yeah. still, but they kind of assumed, they would have assumed that I yeah. was on more than them. And, and to be fair, I should have told them that I wasn't when they told me, but yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, that's a good contract. Yeah. Because they would talk to me about you know, a lot of the younger guys, because I've always tried to make myself really accessible yeah, to the younger yeah. players and, and, and help them through that process because yeah, when noticed. I came in, it wasn't like that. Like, yeah. also, you yeah. know, it was a bit of a, bit more of a hierarchy system. Like the yeah. older guys, like, no, you fucking wait your turn sort of thing. Yeah. Where I kind of wanted people to be able to express themselves and yeah. feel com- comfortable and confident because I never felt that way. Yeah. Like, I didn't reach... I didn't even start playing any decent footy, I don't reckon, until bloody 2006. So yeah. like, it'd been like four or five seasons before I actually felt 
actually felt like I could wear the jersey, yeah. which is that's like quite yeah. sad when you think about it. Like yeah. I had my blazer, and I still didn't feel like I, I felt comfortable enough to wear the jersey and do it justice, yeah. just because of how I was made to feel within that environment. So it was, um, you know, I constantly felt like I wasn't good enough, and yeah. and that you know that's probably part of that is my own anxiety too, but also just the way the environment was kind of made like that, and yeah. I've seen it break. A lot of guys too that didn't have that strong character or like yeah. you know resilience you would say just just emotionally fragile yeah. and they they couldn't push through it mm. and then they get washed aside so yeah, i was yeah. like i don't want that to be like that when i when you know for the younger guys and you know quinn's probably a really good example of how yeah. he played in his first year like he's got all the ta- all that talent yeah like i can take no credit for that like I know I, I take sort of pride in the fact that I allowed him to show that yeah. by supporting him. Yeah, and yeah. Roger Randall as a coach, like, fuck, he's perfect mm. for it. And he helped me a lot when I played. Like, he was probably one person that did, but he went overseas and then came back again. So I had a little patch there where he yeah, wasn't there. Yeah. But when he came back in 2006, that was probably when I started to really shine yeah. and there was probably no secret because yeah. he was there helping me again. Yeah. And Yeah. So it was... Um, yeah, I kind of like to. That's that's what I kind of like to do. Like yeah. help help those younger guys. Yeah, so um, went a little bit off tangent there uh, <laughs> with Quinn, but um, yeah, I suppose back back to the to the money side of things, and and just I suppose pl- for players, like you know, we get treated like you know, like it's a business. We get chewed up and spat out when we're not up to it or or whatever it may be so we are just a a piece of i suppose the puzzle but then yeah the i suppose the other side of it is is if players start treating it like a business it's always like we aren't grateful for the opportunity sometimes you know and they kind of use it against us and it's all about the jersey and it's all about um what you know like about opportunity and this and that and culture yeah yeah it is and and it and to be fair it's probably why we're so successful at rugby because we actually play for a bigger purpose and it's not just about money so it is a bit of a balance but i don't see there being any harm in people understanding where they stand for whatever it may be for time that they've served for um importance they are to a team for superstar you know like obviously guys have bigger profiles so Mm. they are worth more money because they're marketable like look at sunny Sonny Bill exactly, and what he yeah. did for rugby when he came over. Look what Carter's done for so long. Like yeah. he's sponsored by Louis Vuitton. Like that's you know, fuck, like that's fucked. That's like a Formula One driver. <laughs> you know, he hangs it's, at parties with them and shit. <laughs> like, like you just said, it's not it's not just about the money, but um, like it's almost people act like it's not at all about the money. Yeah, like, yeah, it's not yeah. Just about the money, but yeah. fuck, it is about the money. Yeah, and, it to is. some extent. Yeah, like, well, it's you, professional. Sport. It's your job, like, and like job. we've talked about this, like. Um, in American sports, um, like Artie's fucking good at this stuff, bro. I listen to him a lot. Um, if if some dude doesn't turn up to training in an American sport in the NFL, I've seen some article about a guy not turning up to training because um, he's not getting paid enough. He wanted more money and they wouldn't give it to him, so he's up turning up to training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone's applauding him, like, yeah, that's right, like he he deserves more things like that. You did yeah. that here, yeah. fuck, you'd be on the burner bro yeah and no other team would take you either exactly you know like yeah yeah but i suppose that's the other that's the thing with the american sport it kind of seems like 
they're selfish, but they actually have the backing of each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, when they do things like that, like you say, his team applauds him. Yeah. It's because they know. And obviously, they value him yeah. if they're applauding him. Yeah. So, why is there not, um, you know, like, I know as a senior player, and I've been involved for a long time, but when it comes to contract negotiations, I never get spoken to about a teammate and his character. Yeah. But I would happily share my intimate knowledge of that player from a playing point yeah. of view so that the union or the Super Rugby franchise or whoever it may be can make an informed decision yeah. on whether that guy is a long-term, yeah. um, you know, um, option yeah. for the... Yeah. And whether he is worth that extra money or yeah. what... They don't need to tell me... I'm not saying that they should tell the senior players what everyone's going to earn. Like, they can mm. cut me out in the wash when, mm. if it is public knowledge, what people earn. But getting the credibility from a player group is massive, I reckon. Yeah. And if I ever go into to a head coaching role and I'm involved in that contract, um, contracting and that sort of thing, I will talk to players about that person and how they fit in the environment yeah. because players see different sides than coaches. People always show the coach a different side because they like you know they want to play yeah but yeah. their true self comes out around the boys and exactly. when you have a few beers and you relax and and whatnot and i've seen plenty of guys that i'm like don't trust and mm. i don't trust them on the field but coaches love them because mm. of the way they act around the coach yeah, yeah. so it's like yeah we're talking about being open and and things like that like the players you know we definitely could have a lot more input into how the contracting side of things work and whether it is just the fact that if you have a leadership group and you have a senior player group yeah why can't you go and ask them about um you know the young guy that you're thinking of keeping on or moving on yeah you know and be like no don't get rid of him he does this this and this really well then you make an informed decision whether it's the direction you want to go or because the team is a part of that you can't just be run by one person and his opinion yeah exactly yeah um Okay, we'll move on to a bit away from away from the footy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, all good. Hunting, fishing—that's obviously a big part of a part of you. Yeah, um, yeah. you're fucking into that. <laughs> what's your? Um, just got to look at my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, <laughs> what's not your, even any rugby. <laughs> what's your? What's your? Um, one of your best yarns, out, either hunting or fishing. Um, what do you want, hunting or fishing? Ooh. Go fishing because I'm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really into hunting, but I do yeah. a bit of fishing. Sweet. Um. I suppose it's probably the best yarn is that there's a YouTube... I've done a few YouTube videos of, um, you know, some uh, catches and stuff that mm. I've done. Mainly marlin. Well, they are just pretty much marlin fishing because mm. I just love it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I froth over it big time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think I like it so much because I like hunting as well and it's very much like hunting. Yeah. And once you get to know it and you sort of immerse yourself in it it is just like hunting like you're looking for you know if you go hunting a deer you're looking for you know like a sunny face with some feed on it because that's where they're going to be it's the same in the ocean like the ocean's a massive big place you could just drive around but you're looking for that nice blue water and where there's bait fish and and things like that so i love the thrill of the hunt and the anticipation of you never know like you know it might might, because it happens right you just you'll be fishing in the area and you'll think you know, it looks really good, looks really good, and nothing. Yeah. Like, days and days and days of it, like, yeah. months of it. Yeah. And then that one moment comes, and you get a marlin, and, like, it's yeah. just, fuck, it's life-changing. It's wicked. How, it's how, like the Red Bully long- Shield. Yeah. <laughs> what's the longest, um, longest fight you've had for a marlin? 
I the longest fight I've had for a Marlin was actually Marie's, so my wife's um, yeah. Tanas. She came out. What she's come out once. Oh, she got it. Yeah, she got it. Yeah, two, <laughs> two, uh, just over two hours. Like, which for Holy a Marlin is like, fuck. you know, it's pretty. They, there's definitely bigger fights and longer fights, but yeah. yeah, it was just over two hours, and actually did an awesome job. Like, really, really good job. Like, I, I was really impressed because she's like, yeah, she does. She gets seasick. Like, she doesn't even like going fishing but she didn't want me to go by myself i convinced her told her the weather was going to be awesome might have lied a little bit it wasn't as good as what <laughs> i said it was going to be but it was it was all right yeah there's actually a video of it on youtube um i'll give you the link that would to have it. been hard bro yeah bro it was awesome but it, that was an awesome fish because it jumped right by the boat heap so it's real visual fish and on the video you can see it. it's close it's jumping right out of the water and it's pretty cool it's decent sort of size fish too probably yeah. 120 130 kilos so Holy. quite a good one um but probably the most memorable one was i we had for waikato we have um these japanese guys come over yeah. and they do a sort of three month training program out of the union and it's and i was one of the coaches that was coaching them they play in our local club competition for student clubs and we actually i'd not long been back from japan um i'd you know, they've been home maybe a year. So my Japanese was, you know, still good. pretty good. Yeah. Well, good enough to have a conversation anyway. So we actually homestayed a couple of the oh, boys yeah. Yeah, at, with us. So they, they get homestayed in certain places. Well, um, you know, they put it out to basically sort of, I suppose, the wider rugby group of the Waikato. There's a few people that do it each year. And, yeah, we decided that we'd have a couple at home because we just moved into our new place. So... Yeah, we had um, Shin and Yoshi, so they they come and stay with us. And I decided it was Easter weekend. I was oh, I'll take them fishing. We'll go marlin fishing. Forecast was awesome, so we go up uh, to Fitianga. My parents have got a batch there and been going there for well, since I was like uh, probably thirty years since I was sort of like five. And then um, like very lucky that mum and dad have got a place up mm. there, and that's where I got into fishing and into marlin fishing. And we went out and I took them out and. Um, yeah, they've both never been on a boat before. Both never touched the fish before. So we caught a few, like, sort of, you know, live baits, um, like little skipjack tuna yeah. and that. And, yeah, we went out, fished all day. Um, it looked really good. I thought I thought we were a pretty good chance of, of getting one. It kind of went, yeah, they were, it was sort of getting sort of, I don't know, it was probably, we were on the water maybe at sort of six in the morning and by this, it might have been, you know, sort of one to o'clock. So yeah. we'd been, which is, you know, it's only half a day. Like yeah, when yeah. I go out, I'm pretty much sun up to sundown. Yeah. But for two guys that haven't been on a boat before, yeah, they're nodding off. Yeah. And yeah, but they were, they were awesome. They were good. They just sat there, didn't yeah. say too much, probably because they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then it, it happened. We got a bite and I was like, oh, yep, well, here we go. And then, yeah, Marlon come up jumping and I was like, oh, it's quite a big one. And then Shin, like, basically how it works on my boat when I take people out, if you haven't caught a marlin, then you're on the rod. If, yeah. if everyone on the boat has caught one, then it's basically, or if whoever else is on the boat hasn't caught one, you just split the time up over the hour. So there's two of them, so it's half hour each. Yeah. So you how basically runs is from the, the first half of the hour, so if it's 9 to 9.30, then say Shin was on, if yeah. it's... 9 30 to 10 then yoshi's on yeah. and it just goes like that throughout the day yeah yeah so it happened to be like just after sort of one o'clock or whatever it was i think so shin was on 
Um, so the smilers starts jumping and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're on. And then they're like, huh? And they couldn't really see because we're a jump that was behind me. And I'm like, they didn't know what was going on because I'm yelling in English and, yeah. and then they're like, what, what? And I'm looking, I was like, we've got a fucking marlin on. <laughs> and then they look out and this big marlin starts jumping and they're like, oh, and they're freaking out. So Shin jumps on the rod. Um, it was pretty good, like, and, but it was hard case. Like I did the edit of the video. It's had like nearly like 80,000 views on oh, YouTube. Yeah, it's had heaps, man. Like it's gone kind of, it's kind of viral really. Like on none of my other videos, yeah, yeah, even yeah, got like yeah. a thousand, but that one for some reason... <laughs> Yeah, um, and probably more to the fact that I'll get to it in a minute is how big it actually was. So we yeah. <clears throat> we fight this fish, and I'm trying to like when I edited the video, I had to edit heaps out because yeah. I'm like swearing at yeah, them and all yeah, sorts. Yeah. So there's basically no talking; in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just music. And then um, so we 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 get this fish, and then I'm kind of like, oh, kind of want to let it go because I didn't want to pay to get it smoked because it's really yeah. expensive. It's like four bucks a kg for the smoker to smoke it so it's like if you catch a 100 kilo fish it's 400 bucks plus packaging normally about 450 Jeez. and i'm like fuck like you know just on a mitre 10 cup wage i'm like oh, i don't really want to fork yeah. out 450 bucks for these guys fish yeah. so i'm like ah oh, now we'll let it go and i knew it was bigger than 100 yeah. too so i was like that's going to be quite a bit and then i was so i wasn't sort of two-faced but it's always up to the angler like yeah. at the end of the day I, it doesn't matter it's their call yeah. and he wanted to keep it so like sweet so I get the gaff ready and I'm trying to yell at them to do that. They don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So in the end, like I pretty much have to do everything myself, yeah. try and drive, try and get the fish up. Oh. Try, you know, he's fighting, he's winding the line and that's about it really. And then we gaff this fish and pull it in the boat. And I pulled it in the boat and I was like, man, that's a big fish. Like, yeah, yeah I caught the biggest one I caught before that was 153 kilos. Yeah. And then this one ended up being 190.6 so it's a, a striped marlin. So blue marlin get a lot bigger than that. But in terms of striped marlin, like that's right up there. Like wow. that. Like I think that to put it in context, so out of Fidianga, there's only ever been one fish caught bigger than that. It was a 201 kilo striped marlin, and that was caught in 1953. So out of all the years that they've weighed and marlin, this jet boy got this it. jet boy got it, bro, on my boat, which is like. <sighs> little like it's only four and a half meter little tinny like if you watch the videos you'll see it like it's only small man and it like but you don't need a big boat like you just kind of you know the boat's real safe it's stable you know you don't as long as you don't have like you know a dozen people on it it's like sort of three people's sort of all right and we're all big sort of rugby guys and three is pretty good number two is probably ideal if you got two people that know what they're doing Uh, but three is always handy yeah and um yeah but like yeah i just i froth off it so i I love it so i put a lot of time into making sure that the boat can do it and study hard out like yeah obsess over it pretty much on where to go areas to fish and like we were only sort of 20 minutes out from the boat ramp like we're not far out like at the right time of year and the right places if you fish in the right areas like they do come right in so yeah that and then we end up going in to weigh it in and it's Easter Sunday. Sunday. Um, so the Fidianga Wharf is like packed. It's like five o'clock on Easter <laughs> Sunday. We pull up. Aiden Johnson was there. Barney. Oh, yeah, 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 he was actually there because he's got a place in Fiddy, so he's up there on holiday. Um, but yeah, we pull into the pull into the wharf in my little boat. And um, yeah, the 
and the wharf's packed like hundreds of people there's a wicked ass photo it's actually on my instagram page and you'll see it like the boats in the water by the wharf and there's like hundreds of people up on the wharf and they're winching the marlin out yeah it's on my instagram page you'll see it there and um yeah it's pretty iconic photo now like yeah yeah, it's i think it might be the cover of the fitting game fishing clubs like facebook page yeah so it's um that that's pretty cool because as a kid i used to go down there and watch marlin get weighed in and now to think that photo of my boat you know is and all those people is on their facebook pages like pretty cool yeah it's how deep was it um only well well, when i say only it was like 90 about 95 meters deep which is for marlin's not that deep like a hundred meter line off the east coast of new zealand like some places it's only five mile which is not not very far five six mile like i think from the closest point of land to where we were was maybe six mile yeah which off hahe beach there sort of yeah there's a little island there called Castle Island, and it, mm. yeah, just off the, just uh, maybe a mile outside that, off yeah. the back. Yeah, it's a pretty sort of common spot now. It was a bit of a secret for a while. I Shit. fished it for probably sort of three, four years, and was catching marlin there, and no one really else, no one else really fished it. But then now it's kind of ever since that it kind of blew up, and yeah. quite a few people fish there now. But that's cool, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's part of it. Like if anyone ever asks me or wants to know anything about where i catch marlin or anything i just tell them because yeah. it's you know it's it's hard man it's hard yeah. to get one and yeah. it, and the more until you share with each other that that's a cool thing about probably the marlin fishing community it's not like snapper fishing yeah. where you hide all your spots you actually yeah. share them so yeah. yeah and i enjoy that i love taking people out for the first time and there's nothing like you know the first time when you do anything it's exciting yeah. But yeah, when you see someone, especially if they like fishing, yeah. and they get that, they get to you know experience a marlin. It's pretty cool. Bro, fuck, you have to take me out. Bro. Yeah, I bro. See that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a few questions here. Q and A. Finish cool. it up with this. Um, your night out after your fiftieth game for Waikato. Yeah, that was um. So that was back in two thousand and eight. So yeah, going back a wee bit, but it was. Oh, it was a good night. It was it was really awesome because I had like a real close group of friends from home from Morinsville that weren't rugby guys. Um, oh, Stewie played a little bit, so there was basically there was basically three of us. We pretty much called ourselves a tripod because if one wasn't there, we'd fall over. We were just together all the time. So it's Adam Norman and Adam Stewart, like good mates of mine um, from home, and we they basically became like the team mascots. So they were there. <laughs> at, they used to come watch all the games, you know, when we didn't have wives and kids and, mm. and that sort of thing. They were just, you know, nothing to do on the weekends. And yeah. They'd tag along. They'd come to all our team piss-ups. And yeah. yeah, they're just good, real good dudes. And they, they kept me grounded. They probably, mm. you know, they were like my, I suppose, my sort of barrier from the stresses of rugby yeah. and yeah. professional rugby. So that was, um, so they were there. My family was all there. So we had the, it was an awesome occasion. It was cool. We played Otago. Um and a good mate of mine was playing for Otago, so that you know that made it pretty cool as well. Um, Glenn Horton was his name, and then so yeah, that night we like yeah we go out to town and we like so how it works for Waikato when you play your fiftieth, you get a tankard, so and you, they tape it to your hand, so it can't leave your hand all night, and you're not allowed to buy a single drink and the boys just shout you like you know that's their way you know it's just the way of showing respect for yeah. what you've achieved 
but yeah. whatever the boys put in your mug, they got to do it too, so they can't just stitch you up yeah, yeah, and yeah. give you like eight tequila shots because yeah. then they got to do eight tequila yeah, shots, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but the, all sorts goes in there because they just basically team up on you. So yeah, one will yeah. go, oh, I'll put red wine in, you give them a tequila shot, so you're like, oh. Yeah, uh, so it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's cool, but it's like, you know, it's done respectfully, so yeah, 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 yeah. I got hammered, like proper hammered, but it's just everyone looks after you. And, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, it's changed a bit now, like probably some more, like, you know, with social media and that sort yeah. of thing, like it's probably not, you got to be a little bit more careful of what yeah. you do. Like I fell asleep outside the bang, bang in Hilton <laughs> there, like, but it was sweet. They just took me outside and I was like, no good. So I just sort of sat down with my blazer on, on the side of the Fuck. the bank by the bouncers. And they're like, yeah, he'll be right. We'll just look after him here and for a bit. And then when he's like sweet, we'll send him back in. So the boys just went back inside, come checked on me a bit, maybe slept for half an hour or whatever it was. And then, yeah, I sort of woke up and the bouncers like, oh, yeah, well, good. Sent me back in and where we went, carried on. And there yeah, just like, I remember <clears throat> went home and, well, I don't really remember going home but the boys got me home and we like heaps of heaps of the boys came and stayed and stuff and sort of carried on drinking and i, I fell asleep with bloody number one the shoes still on woke up my feet were fucking sore <laughs> and my hand was sore because it was still taped to the mic so my hand was like fuck day for days because it was just like stuck in this like grip position <laughs> yeah. but yeah no it was a good night it was just cool to share it with like people that have been there for the journey as well you know yeah, like yeah, quite yeah. often in rugby you don't get that like you yeah. might play away or or something so you which is cool you share it with your group of mates or whatever yeah. but sometimes these guys that have played a big part you know in your career in terms of like a milestone mm. um and to have them there mm. you know it means that much more and yeah, yeah, yeah. whether they're playing or not playing yeah so yeah that was that was pretty that's pretty me. big night um an old school Waikato piss up story oh probably the mile's probably the best one to sort of tell like probably just more of a rundown of what it is like it's kind of yeah it's pretty special um sort of pub crawl that we used to do back in the day and a couple of boys can't remember who who sort of thought it up but how it used to work is we would meet at Biddy Mulligan's on the sort of northern end of Victoria Street in Hamilton and Victoria Street's a mile long and that's where it got the name um, and how it worked is you went down the street heading south, left-hand side of the road, you drink left-hand, right-hand side, you drink right-hand. We had a drench gun that normally had some port or something in it, so if you got caught not doing, you know, wrong hand, you finish oh. it and you get a little shot of port. Um, it was done strategically, so a big drinker would be put with a light drinker, so you sort of help each other out yeah, on the way, yeah, yeah. Um, and you had a tour leader in each pub, so you'd be handle of Waikato. So everywhere that sold Waikato we went to, there used to be like a, a Russian bar called Kremlin and they had heaps of different vodkas so we'd have a vodka there and yeah. bar 101 would be bloody like the student pub and we'd go there and have a Jager bomb and yeah, like yeah. you know cocktails at Easy Tiger or whatever it was and yeah and how it worked is you have a tour leader so yellow jersey and they set the pace in the pub so if you go in there and you know so you want to smash your beer and you've got the yellow jersey you got to wait till everyone's got at least got their handle. Mm. Then you finish yours. Always got to put your glass back up on the bar. So real respectful. Make sure that tidy up after ourselves. Put it back on the bar and then walk outside and you blow the whistle. When you blow the whistle, everyone's got a minute to get out. 
So if you choose to buff yours, then everyone's got a minute to get rid of theirs, put their handle up and get outside. Um, but then, you know, it's strategy to that too. We had food stops along the way and, um, you you know, when the boys would get a bit too rowdy and, you know, you could see it going yeah, a bit yeah, sideways, yeah. the sort of senior guys would step in and give it to, like, one of the younger guys or someone or one of them would take it and yeah. then just slow the pace right down yeah, 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 and you yeah. just chill or you might have, let's say, oh, we'll just have two beers in this bar and just take our time yeah. and you might be there for an hour yeah. or, or something like that. But, yeah, those are always awesome times. Yeah, but I suppose with, like, and that's, you know, like, social media kind of ruined that yeah, because yeah. people just started looking for us to make mistakes and, yeah. and easier to catch us out, I suppose. Mm. Like there was never, and to be fair, there was never a major incident on the mile, but it was more the fact that it probably could, there mm. probably could be one. So the union didn't really like us doing it, yeah. but it was, um, oh, it was definitely a lot of fun. And it was, and when it, when it's done well and done respectfully, actually real mean enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Just like, no, that's yeah. me. Um, Someone said, bring back the old swan dive. The swan dive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. I can't do that anymore because I don't score any more tries. <laughs> but if I do score, it's from five metres out. So I don't have, don't have a run up to get enough height to, to, to do a swan dive. It's more like trip over and slide over. <laughs> um, your your best friend ever. Best friend do ever. you remember it? Who, who asked that question, do you know? Fuck, I'll have a job. Yeah. Um... There's, yeah, I, like, I suppose yeah, I'm kind of known for my fence. There's been a few. Um, Jacob Allison's worn a few of them. He used to play for Wellington. Tommy Allison's little brother. Because he always, for some reason, I know he didn't... We're good mates, too. And he never learnt. He always went high. Yeah. And he had a big chest, so he was like, get my hand. He's a bit taller than me. Um, but nah, I was... Oh. Roy Hahn. Oh, oh, the bus, Hansel Pune. Oh, he, I, yeah, nah, it was on him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's why he sent it. Um, so Roy, um, he come played for for us for Waikato. He moved down from Auckland, but before yeah. he he made the shift, he, he had a year for Auckland and and was playing Auckland develop uh, Blues development, and we were playing. I was playing the Chiefs development. Would have been must have been about 2005 or something yeah. like that and we played on the old number two at Waikato Stadium which is just the grass area now so for the people that went to the sevens yeah. like where the party yeah. sort of areas out the back there yeah. that used to be number two field so yeah that used to be where we would train and everything and yeah we played the Blues development team there and yeah, I offended, <laughs> I offended him, and it like literally pretty much made him do a backflip. Like, <laughs> I don't, I still this day, I don't really know how I did it. Like it was, it was all just timing. Like you yeah, know, his yeah, force, he was coming real hard at me, but for some reason he was standing upright, and I just planted one right on his chin and fully <laughs> flipped his feet back over his head, and it was, it was funny because we ended up playing together, and we used to joke about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and every now and then I'll just send him that emoji. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. very We have a good um, laugh about it. Muzz just sent one in. I never wrote it down because oh, I was yeah. just then ask him how close it was when him and Simon missed 10 deer in the paddock. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good yarn, Muzz. Oh, so yeah, Muzz took us down for a hunt last year and um, with, his, uh, with his mate Ross and he's like, oh, yeah, we've got a few deer here and we snuck up and um, 
you know, well, wow, we call it more shooting than hunting. There was heaps of them there. <laughs> and we walked right up and we got to this, um, there was like a water tank in the paddock and we sort of snuck around and all these stags were there and they're all feeding and I was there trying to pick off the best one. I was like, oh, yep, that one there's the best one. So I lined it up and I kind of wanted Simon to shoot first, but he didn't really have a good shot, like, you know, um, sort of give it to the younger fella, mm. let him have a go and, like, probably done a little bit more hunting than him yeah. more opportunity to i suppose and then yeah but he was like no nah, no nah, you you go so i was like oh so he goes are oh, you shooting i'll just sh- try and shoot whatever but like honestly the stag was 30 40 yards away like not far yeah and i lined it up boom i shot it i hit it 100 percent hit it because we found the blood but then and then we're just then all of a sudden there was like a dozen of them and they're all running around and we're just trying to shoot them <laughs> and missing them and then uh, I think I might have one more shot at another one. Simon tried to shoot a couple, but like they were pretty hard to shoot on yeah, the run yeah. with a rifle. So I was like, uh, but yeah. So what happened? We carried on and we shot a couple more. Um, and then we come back to try and find these deer. Yeah. And we've, the, my, the one I shot, we found the blood trail, but we could not find it. We searched for like half the day pretty much like, oh. through this block of pines. And it wasn't a big block of bush either that yeah. it was in, but we just could not find it there. Yeah, so that was, um, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> but Muzz and his mate Ross were just cracking up laughing at part-time <laughs> hunters trying to... <laughs> um, Could have pushed them over, we were that close. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your night out after first senior club game and golf at Walton. Oh, yeah, so um, Walton's just a local golf course. My mum's actually the like women's, like the club president there for the women's golf. Um, yeah, it's just sort of... Oh, not far out of, sort of between Morinsville and Matter Matter. It's actually quite a nice course. But yeah, we we used to go out there and have, oh, you know, it's a pretty relaxed sort of country course, so we'd have a few beers and, and and whatnot. And then we used to try and get the old golf carts to do wheelies, so stand mm. someone on the back and <laughs> tip it up. And yeah, that's probably what he's talking about there. <laughs> um, and then, oh, yeah, no, nah, actually. And then there was, well, my Norm, so yeah. the the two mates the part of the tripod normie's a bit of a character big tall skinny fella kind of yeah. looks a bit like Kyle off road trip in terms of like oh, yeah, you know yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I had sex last night with the girl yeah. that fella yeah <laughs> yeah he used to do he used to reenact that actually fucking funny yeah but he he's a lot better looking than Kyle but yeah. similar build <laughs> like tall and skinny yeah and um yeah one day we were out there and we are trying to find a golf ball or something and there's sheep like in the paddock and that next to yeah. the course and they look around and his old mate Norm nude running through the paddock trying to tackle these, <laughs> tackle these sheep after a few beers so yeah it's a bit hard case yeah but like my first night out after my first club game so we played Matter Matter in Matter Matter and our, co- our captain at the time Reg Prophet it was his 30 oh one of the boys was pissed and he called it a 32th birthday um, <laughs> and I just remember thinking like 32 like fuck that is so old and yeah. here I am sitting here now at 35 <laughs> still playing but yeah so I was like yeah I was like 18 year old and me and Brennan Leonard had just gone to Morrinsville that was my second game I missed the first game because um, I had a Chiefs development game but uh, I played the second one and Brennan had played the first week and I remember talking to him I was like real nervous about the game I was just like fuck what's it like bro and he's like no no it's actually all good it's not too bad 
and then we played and then yeah it was reg's birthday so to plan that we had the team bus to take us to hamilton to his house yeah. so i we went to his house and bought a whole heap that was sort of my first introduction to port yeah. and the boys used to buy these big bottles they're massive man and the rule was like at morin's all you take the cap off it's not allowed to touch a table or the ground until it's empty so it just gets passed around and then is um, that still going or yeah yeah it still goes sure. yeah yeah so yeah. whenever we have a bus trip we buy a couple of bottles of port and they, they just get passed around till they're empty on the bus and then um yeah so we we went there and then yeah we had a heap of it like yeah we were we were proper hammered but like two sort of 18 year olds like me and brendan were just like this yeah i remember like we we're pissed there we might have been like one of the only sort of there might be three or four of us that made it to town but like you know like probably more the fact that we were just so pumped and excited that we sort of yeah. survived <laughs> and yeah. got to town but i remember we were pretty hammered but i just remember like we were like real drunk and we're like hugging each other like this is the greatest day of my life yeah, like yeah. you know leave <laughs> school like you know you finally can go to town <laughs> like we we thing. thought we like clock life eh? we're like <laughs> fuck yeah we're having the meantime playing club footy getting on the piss afterwards like, oh. <laughs> fucking hell i still remember my first club game down in wellies um, or not first club game, our first um, lock-in. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I'm not even going to mention that, but we had, yeah. some pretty, we had some pretty key, like, known players that came yeah. to that lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And holy fuck, it was dangerous. We were at a container yard, like, we oh, yeah. into a container, bro. <laughs> we'll just leave the details awesome. on that. But, nice. um, no, yeah, that's, that's just about it, bro. Um, I just want to just say, quickly say thank you, bro, for making the trip down, jumping no, on. Um, obviously, um, you're a man that I really respect. Um, playing under you as, as my captain, I'll always have respect for you. So um, thanks for jumping on, bro. Thanks for sharing a bit of insight. Um, is there anything you want to top it off with? Thanks. Oh, no, just, um, yeah, I just want to make sure that, you know, I really wanted to come over because I wanted to show support for what you're doing and, you know, like ripping the hoodie. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Uh, I just think in this time it's so important to to support locals. So if you have stayed through this podcast and you're still listening, <laughs> like make sure that you uh, look after, you know the not just Carlos, but you look after you know all the local, mm. so you know your local community or um, you know your local businesses, so that we can come out of this uh, better off because yeah, we're going to need each other. Hundred percent. Mean brother. Cool. Thank Later. you.